Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Jesus is the light of the world. You know, when I was um, preparing for the message, I thought about uh, many times that I've been in dark uh, I've been in places where it was so dark that you couldn't see the hand in front of your, your face like that. And I don't remember a time where I was mesmerized by darkness or that I was in darkness and it was feeling so awesome. How many have ever went camping and sat in front of a, a campfire? And what do you usually do in front of that campfire? You stare at it, right? And you just stare at it. And everybody can be doing something, but ultimately you're going to find people. I mean, it, just, it doesn't take long to just staring at the, at the fire. And it's amazing what light can do and what light does. And the separation, I like what God says when he brought forth light. He separated light from darkness. There's that separation and the power of what light will do. I don't know if you've ever walked in your, your house when it's dark and then... Usually what happens when you're walking in your house when it's pitch dark? Not really good things. Stub your toe, run into a wall, bang your head. And you know the house. You know everything about that house. But because there's no light and it's dark, I, I mean, I've done it many times, getting up in the middle of the night. And I've never got up and went, it's more like, because we can't see. And when we can't see, we don't have security. But when you bring a little light, when a little light, just, it did not be a big light, a little light, all of a sudden you then have the ability to do things you couldn't do before. But it started with a little light. And what I need us to understand is, is this is what Jesus is, is proclaiming to us for Christmas is to recognize the light, to follow the light, to be the light. And when we can understand this and we can get hold of this, I'm going to tell you right now, it brings great joy. Everybody say great joy. This is what this understanding will do no matter where you are at life, it will bring great joy. And that's what we want in our lives is we want great joy. At least he didn't say joy. He said great joy. And that's what the light will produce. So we're going to look at um, a Christmas story. And this is the Christmas story just based upon this is usually when we only hear about this. So we're going to talk about the wise men, the three kings, which they weren't three kings, but we're going to talk about them. And the important thing about this is it is in the Bible. And because it is in the word and because it is something that God wanted to be written, there's instruction, there's information. And that's what I want us to do and not look at it as, you know, Mary had a little lamb, you know, and we look at things just in uh, the, the, the mindset of let's listen to the little story because it's Christmas time. And then we do the, you know, the mangers and the scenes like that. And we don't give the reverence to the wisdom 
that is placed in the word of God in these history lessons for our life. So what we're gonna do is we're going to get something big today. And it's about the wise men, the magi, or the Greek words magos. And we're gonna look at this because what it's going to do is it's gonna bring revelation to you, light, and it's going to empower you. So you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Let's do this. John 3, 19, we'll start with this one. The light has come into the world. The light, everybody say the light. Okay, so there must not be any light for the light to come into the world. And that's what we have to look at is because Jesus is entering into a dark world, a world that is bound up in, in, in the will of the enemy, Satan. When we look at the, the language of Scripture and you uh, get the, the definition of the words that were written in the New Testament, um, you start seeing a picture that's different than what you would suppose, what you would work on just reading the Bible. You start recognizing that there is something just ugly to the, to the greatest level of, of evil operating throughout the planet. And that's what Jesus came into. And when you look at scripture in the words of redeem, redemption, those terms that are in the New Testament over and over again are words that are used for slavery. So when we hear redeem or redemption, you know, our mindset is because we're not connected to slavery, you know, we're bringing a coupon in, you know, for, you know, redeem this for 20% off. But this word here is understood in what they were hearing and what we should understand what we're hearing. And Jesus came to redeem us. And what that means is, is to, to purchase a slave from an owner to set them free. And when you see the word redeem, when you see the word redemption, I want you to think about that because what it does is it gets you to understand of where you came from. Why is this important? Because ultimately, the key is here. This is the key. I don't care if you go to church or go to, you, 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 you don't go to church. You come once a week or you come 10 times a week. Everything about your life is tied to how you think, how you perceive, everything. It's not about you doing goods or doing bads. It's about how do you perceive, how do you think in life? And what this shows us in God's word is, is that when we start recognizing that there are things that we've been trained in that are still affecting us today. Now, you might be, uh, you know, been in this walk for a while and you've been overcoming and getting deliverance and set free and you're at a good place, but you know that it was the cause of how you used to think that caused the negative in your life. When you started letting this word become your life, the transformation started getting here which had the ability to operate in here, and then you started defining life differently. So in that, you started making different choices. Before you would go, oh yeah, let's do it. But now you're like going, no, I won't do that. Why? 
because you've transformed. You've changed. There's been a metamorphosis that has taken place in your life. You were a caterpillar, and now you're a butterfly. You see things differently. Before, you were crawling on the ground. Very limited sight. But once the word of God started coming alive in you, started hearing and doing it, what took place is you started to fly in life. And that ability gave you ability to outlook. You saw further than before. And when you can see things further than what you used to see, you have the ability to make better choices. If you're making choices from this standpoint, you don't have very much of hope or vision, right? But then all of a sudden I get up here and there's no blocking my way. I'm able to see further than before. Well, in the Old Testament, it gives us this picture or this type in Israel. Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years were slaves. If you read the stories, the history of Israel, you will see the problems they had. It wasn't just because they were just terrible, mean people. It's because they had a slave mindset that they wouldn't let go of. And because of that slave mindset, it kept them in bondage when they were free. And I see many Christians live their lives that way. And I've seen Christians that have been in church for years still live their life that way. Why? Because religion will not produce freedom. And what we have to do is get this information in so we can be free. The light came into the world. What does the light do? It separates darkness. It dispels, disperses darkness. Darkness can't stop light. I don't care where you are at. Light stops darkness from affecting you the way it would. I've been in, been in times up in the mountains where pitch black and you couldn't even see the stars because of storm clouds. And I, can, I can tell you there's nothing exciting or happy in that time. But when you look up and you can see billions upon billions and billions of stars, it, it brings a different attitude in your heart, in your life. And that's what light will do for everyone. So we're going to pay attention to the light, which ultimately is the word. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Everybody say the word was God. Okay. To recognize um, uh, this is one of the key understandings to know if you're a cult or not a cult. Once a person says that Jesus is not God, that is a cult. Everybody understand that? There are all kinds of groups out there that will tell you Jesus is good. He's a prophet. He's a good man. He's, he's the, quote, son of God. But they will not say he is God, though the word does. So that's the difference. When you hear that they do not believe that he's God, it's a cult. Because you can go further and deeper into off-the-wall teachings, getting that out of foundational belief and understanding. So the word is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, now we're talking about Jesus, without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
So right away, John is saying something beginning right off in his letter. He starts off with, let me share this with you. I'm going to talk about Jesus, but let me throw this right out in front for everybody to see. We're talking about God, the word coming to this earth and becoming the light of the world. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. What was he full of? Grace and truth. What was Jesus full of? What was Jesus full of? What did we see Jesus operate in when he was in his ministry time period? What did you see? Would you say full of grace and truth? Would you say that? Now, the problem is this. How do you see God? And I guarantee you, most people, especially if you haven't been here for a while, you don't see God full of grace and truth. It's easy to see Jesus that way, but we don't see God that way. Now, let me help you in your understanding. Jesus, full of grace and truth, said this. Every action I make, every word I speak is from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that'll help your mindset. That'll help you understand that when you're looking at God, Father God, you're recognizing that he's not this evil, mean old man up there that's just ready to bring a hurricane down on you because you wouldn't think Jesus was that way, would you? You would never say, Jesus ran over my dog. But some people would say God did or God caused it. I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. I've said that before. I didn't have anything, no, I didn't know anything about anything. But I remember blaming God for my dog getting hit by a car. I didn't blame me not closing the gate. I just blamed God. God killed my doggy. But I would never say, Jesus killed my doggy. Are you guys hearing me? So I'm just trying to help you understand. This is a, a very, very important for your own personal life. You, you've got to have this clear conscience and relationship with the Father. Because that's what Jesus came to give us. That ability to go to the Father, amen. To pray to the Father. So it's important to see that. Now let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there's no room at the end. She did what? She brought her firstborn son. So here, here is the position of Mary from what we see in Scripture that God would place his seed in her and she would bring forth a son and Here's the scripture showing that she brought forth the son, which is the light of the world. Now, we're going to look at the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, after Jesus was what? Born in Bethlehem. In the days of Herod the king, behold. Everybody say, behold. Now, the... the uh, I'm going to break down a few words as I read this because I want you to see the, the magnitude of what's being 
shown to us for purpose of understanding. So it says, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, we don't use the, be- we don't go, hey, behold. Hey, behold. We don't use that term, do we? No. But this term in the Greek literally means, it, this is something that's totally a shock. This is amazing. This is beyond your ability just to comprehend as normal communication. This is like freaky, okay? And this is what this word means. Not necessarily freaky, but you know what I'm saying. It's crazy right now. This is a crazy statement. Wise men, magos, and that's where the singular magi or magi or we three kings of Oriental, these guys were not as you see depicted in, you know, Walmart or maybe in your house right now. There's not anywhere in scripture that says there were these three wise men. But it does show us that were three types of gift that these magi brought. Three types of gifts. And it's important to understand why, because it is in reflection to who these people were. See, if I said, you know, and, and these wise men came and they brought, you know, some corn, some cotton, and then all of a sudden you go, okay, we, we, we see where they came from, Right? If I said, you know, they, they, these three wise men, they had, you know, some pesos and then you'd know, you know, they'd know where they're from. So what we're doing is, is we're getting a revelation of what type of people they are. And these aren't just normal folk. These people are different. Now, when they say wise men and the Greek word to this, it, it literally is a position of a king or highest level of authority. And this is important to know. And it's so awesome in what's happening in this message. And this is what I want you to get hold of. I want you to get on the edge of the seat and get into the position where you're going, man, this is, this is transforming my life. Right now, you're like going, all right, where are we going with this? We three kings. Come on, I've seen the, I've seen the cartoon of this, all right? Any, anybody see, you know, Veggie Tales or any of those things? Okay. This is, this is bigger than that, a little bit bigger than that, all right? So here it says that, behold, these magi from the east. Now look at this. These wise men, these astrologers, these, these magicians, these high-level scientists at this time. These guys are people that, are not, you know, like in La La Land. They're not like crazy people. These are people in this time frame, they study things. They're at a high level of their lives to where they operate in a position of great authority. Now you can look up, you know, you can Google anything, of course, and, and there's so many different theological discussions on, you know, these wise men and, and, you know, as far as where they're from and what they did, so on and so forth. But ultimately it comes down to this. These guys were important and they, in their position of authority, 
They weren't traveling three guys by themselves. Nobody would travel that way. The higher level of life you had, the more people you had following you. So these guys, literally a caravan, and what a lot of people believe is it was in the hundreds and some even think thousands. Now, I don't really care. But what I do know is these guys made an impact in Jerusalem. And that's something you need to look at. Because you ain't gonna get three guys coming into Jerusalem. You know, that'd be like three guys walking into Phoenix and no one's gonna go, whoo, amazing, wow, this is awesome. It's three guys on a camel. That's all it is. It's no big deal. But what we see here is they came from the east. They came to Jerusalem saying, everybody say saying. Well, this is a statement that they didn't just go to a person. They were saying this as they were entering into Jerusalem. Where's the king of the Jews? Where's the born, the new child, the king of the Jews? They're saying this in Jerusalem. But they're not saying it as three guys on three camels. They're saying it as these high-level positions of authority. Because if, this, if these guys were just little gangbangers, the Romans would have took them away. I mean, the, 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 the authorities of the Jewish nation would have taken care of these guys. Uh-uh, nothing like that's happening. Why? Because there's literally hundreds and hundreds of these soldiers and people with these men. Now you've got a different picture. Now you've got something that is amazing because we're going to pay attention to the scripture, right? So it says, they came from the east and they were saying, where is he who has been born in the king of the Jews? Where is he? This is pretty powerful. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. This is crazy. They've seen a star. Now, this is the problem. What we do is we look at that and we go, okay, well, then it must have been this star and that star. And what, how were the stars aligned back in that day? It's not a star. It's a bright light shining as a star, but it's not a star. Because stars, have you ever looked at stars and said, oh, I'm going to follow that star and it just keeps going further away? And no matter where you go, it's not, you're not going to find out it's over this house. Hey, this star is over this house. So we can't look at it as, I, and this is what people do. They try to say it was a comet. They don't even read the Bible. I've never seen a comet, and I've seen comet. I've never seen falling stars or things like that. And, and they, they don't travel and go, hey, follow, look, follow me. I'm going over this way. They just go. They're not leading you nowhere unless you want to go out the earth. But this is what happens. This is what religious people do and people that don't have a clue about anything do. They try to establish some natural thing that is working instead of saying God's doing something. God's doing something special. I want you to think with me. I want you to process what you're hearing. Where did these guys come from? The east. Now, I'm not talking about east side of Jerusalem. 
Hey, we from the east side, bro. We're talking, they're, they're living Babylon area. They're living in the area of Persia. They're, they're the, from the east, the eastern part of the world. They've traveled over 800 miles. Say 800 miles. On a camel. Not a camel, a donkey, and they ain't any faster. Now think about this. Over 800 miles. Few months of travel time. And they didn't see, we see a star. Hey, what's up? We're here the next day. Now, why is this important? Because it's in the word. But if it's in the word, it's relevant for me right now. And this is what I want us to do is I want us to be able to go into Christmas with the understanding that everything about these stories can impact my life. It can change my life. It can fix my marriage. It can transform my, my, my view of the future. But we don't do that. But I want us to understand this is what we should be doing because it's in the word of God. And every word is God breathed for our benefit. And so here we have this picture of these wise men entering into Jerusalem. And there's so many, so many different lessons that we're going to learn from this. And what do we have? We have them making the proclamation back in their town, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, something spectacular took place that was not normal. That means that it wasn't just a star. They call it his star. If you know the Old Testament, you remember that there was this fire by night that led Israel out of Egypt. Fire by night. Interesting, huh? When it talks about the glory of God, it shone around about people. It was bright. And what we have is this bright light that these guys that are great at what they do. The reason why we know this is because even in Scripture, the history of Scripture and outside of the Bible, people that wrote history in their culture reference people like this, that their, their ability to discern in the heavens, to be able to recognize different things taking place on the earth, and making decisions based upon these things. So these guys are not, you know, they, they just didn't, you know, get through, you know, junior high and now they're out there. These guys are seasoned at what they do. And so they communicate something that took place that they recognize had to be a God event. But let me ask you something. How does that make them go, oh, king of the Jews? They're not Jewish. Why, why don't we ask those questions? Why aren't we reading this and going, this doesn't make sense. They're from the East. They're not even connected to Israel. And here they are talking about a king of Jews and they want to worship him. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to anybody in here. We're like going, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, if, if I heard the same story, I'd go, you know, 800 miles. And no, we wouldn't. So what is behind this? And that's what inquiring minds want to know. 
That's what I want to know. Why? Because when I read this, I know there's something that can impact my life. If I read it as a Christmas story, it ain't going to do nothing but become some little blow-up toy I put on my front yard. Or I allow this word of God become the word of God for my life. And I recognize Christmas has some information that can transform me, that can change me. Are you guys ready for this? I know I am. Where is he who has been born, King of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. How did they know this? That's what I do. I like, how did they know this? Well, you have to go back into history. 700 years ago, from that point of time, 700 plus. And what we have is, is something very interesting that took place. Because Israel has now gone through this time period of good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. I mean, screwed up these people are. And this one king, Hezekiah, when Isaiah the prophet is living, Micah the prophet is living, these prophets that are in scripture are communicating to the people in this time period, prophesying to them about what's going on, what they ought not to be doing, and what they should be doing. But in the midst of these prophecies, they're giving out information about Jesus, which is powerful, powerful. And so this king of Judah now is in this position of not being the smartest king, a good king, but not the smartest. He's going to die, and ultimately he begs the prophet Isaiah to, so he doesn't have to die. Isaiah prays for him. He extends his life, which is an amazing story, so I'm not going to get into that. But the point of the matter is, is after this guy is getting more life into his life, The king of Babylon from the east has heard that he's sick and dying. So he writes to him and says this, I heard that you're not feeling good. I heard that you're battling this sickness that's terrible. We care about you and we want to, if there's anything we can help. I'm paraphrasing this to, we want to come see you before you die. And this is what these guys are writing to. Hezekiah Hezekiah says, come. They come and they see that Hezekiah is healthy. And Hezekiah just, he's on top of the world. He's like going, my, I'm, I'm good, guys, I'm good. And he takes these guys from Babylon and says, hey, let me show you all the riches I have. These guys are not Jews. These guys have nothing to do with Israel. They're from Babylon, the east, where these wise men are from. And all of a sudden, these Babylonian kings are looking at all these riches, and Hezekiah's going, look at this. And look, let me, this ain't it. I'm going to go, I got five more rooms filled with gold. And he's showing them, these guys, all this stuff. Can you imagine what these guys are doing? They're like going, All right, good to know, buddy. And they take off, 
And now their thought process, we gotta get that stuff. And ultimately, that's what happens. They come and invade Israel. And they wipe out the city. They take people, and this is the story, young people with them, the wisest of the young, the leaders of Israel, and they take them captive, hostage. They take them to their country. And they're going to now put them into their society and integrate them into who they are. They change their names. They change their food. They do everything to get them to think like Babylonians. This is where you get Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. Remember those guys? The three guys that were thrown in the fiery furnace. That's this place, Babylon. Daniel in the lion's den, that's this place, Babylon. Are you guys hearing this? 700 years before this, Daniel is in Babylon. He's approximately, during this time, maybe 15 years old. Makes your parents really think, oh, my teenagers need to wise up a little more. 15 years old. He's one of the wisest in Babylon. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wise, 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 young boys. During this time, the king of Babylon has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. The only thing is, is he wants the interpretation of this dream. So the wise men, and this is what the scripture says, the magi, the, all the wise men of his kingdom, he calls forth. And he says, I need the interpretation of this dream. I've had this dream. It's freaking me out. I need to know what it means. And they said, tell us the dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. And he goes, uh-uh. No, no, no. We ain't doing that way. He goes, I, I, I've noticed you guys are a little, you know, you guys are sly. I, I, I've, been, I've been on you. I know that you guys don't say what you really know. You're not all that. He goes, tell me the dream. And they're freaking out. They're like going, we can't tell you the dream. Tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. And the king's like going, no. Tell me the dream and I'll know you know. And you are wise. And you are like you try to represent that you are. Tell me the dream. And they're like going, nobody. Nobody, this is unheard of. No one ever, ever has asked this before. No one, no one's asked this. King, this is beyond what's right. Tell us the dream and we can interpret it. But to say it any other way, it's not, this isn't what goes, this is, it doesn't work this way. The king goes, if you don't, I'm gonna kill all of you. And they're going, no one can do this. No man on the earth can interpret a dream by saying what the dream is without hearing the dream first. And he goes, y'all are gonna die. And so he gathers up his, his, his henchmen and he's about ready to go out and kill every wise man. The problem is this, Daniel is a wise man. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are wise men. They've been living in this culture outside of Jerusalem in the east and operating a high-level wisdom to where they're highly respected. And so one of the captains comes to Daniel and says, the king's gonna wipe out every wise man. And Daniel's like going, what? What do you mean he's gonna wipe out? Because he had a dream and no one can tell him the dream. And Daniel's like going, okay, stop, have him hold off. And so he gets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, you guys, pray. Pray that God gives us help in this, that he gives us revelation of, of what's happening. And that night, God gave Daniel the dream. Daniel goes to the king, oh, king, Nebuchadnezzar, I heard you about kill every wise man. Now, if I was Daniel, I'd say, go ahead. I'll talk to you after it's done. But he didn't, he didn't. And what he does, this young man goes to the king and says, I'm gonna interpret for you your dream. But I want you first to know before anything, this ain't me, this is the one true God. He says this, this is God. This is God is going to tell you your dream and interpret it. He says, this ain't me. Now see, most Christians would go, yeah, I'm spiritual. Let me give you that interpretation because I'm so spiritual. When we ought to be going, God is good. God gave me this information. God's wisdom. God is the one that's helping me through this. Instead of taking props. Nah, I'm all that. I'm all that. That's a position of pride you don't want to be in. Always give God glory. Amen? Always give God glory. So here it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. The astrologers answered the king, there's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to him, the king, except God. And they do not live among men. Verse 27, Daniel replied, no wise man, this is what he's saying to the king, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Is this amazing? He is setting this king up for a new life. And he's showing him in the midst of all this, quote, wisdom of all these wise men, that there's one that is true wisdom with. Daniel gives the interpretation of the dream. The dream's about four kings, four kingdoms. The first one being Nebuchadnezzar. The next dream is about the Medes and the Persians that take over Babylon. So they're gonna attack Babylon. The third one is, is about the Greek rule, the kingdom of Greece with Alexander the Great. This is what's being interpreted. This is what his interpretation of a dream hundreds of years before this stuff even happens. This is what's amazing about the Bible. And again, we're talking about things that can be proven in time frame of scripture dating and history dating. 
So he's talking about these different kingdoms taking place before they're even going to happen. And guess what? Every single thing happens. And the fourth kingdom is Rome. And that's where we're at right now in the story of the wise men and Herod. They're under Rome's authority. That's the fourth kingdom. You guys hearing this? And it says this in verse 44. In the time of those kings, those kingdoms. So he's, he's interpreting it. This is what God said. It's about you and you're awesome, but you're going to be destroyed. And then this kingdom's coming in. They're going to destroy you. Then there's going to be the Greek kingdom. They're coming in. And then the Roman kingdom. So these are the pictures of the kingdoms that are going to be taking place. Then he says this. This is powerful. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to any other people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. And that is the kingdom of God with King Jesus. Now, think about this. That prophecy is what we know in the Old Testament as far as what we read concerning Daniel and his writing. So what we have is we have Daniel revealing a word from God of what's taking place in this picture of the wise men and Herod. There is a new kingdom there is a new king. Hundreds of years have gone by. What is going on? Remember what I said. We have Daniel and many other wise Jewish men and women that are living in Babylon. And because of their ability, look at verse 47, the king said to Daniel, surely, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you are able to reveal this mystery. Verse 48, watch what happens. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, placed him in charge of all the wise men. What's happening? He's preaching to them now. This is what the scripture says. This is what Isaiah says. This is the information. He's telling them, and there's no problem with the king because he already recognizes he talks from God. Now, it's interesting that as each, there's three kings during this time period that die, and Daniel's a part of, the next king, Darius. Different kings are acting in different manners, different ways, and Daniel gets in trouble, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get in trouble because they're not bowing to this new king and they're not doing what this king wants, but every single time, God brings them through. Every time, God brings them through. 
And what's happening is, is the kings in the east are getting this information that this word is true, this revelation is true, and there's nothing we can do about it. It is a reality. And that truth continued on to every wise man. Why? Because they were taught that a new king is coming. A new kingdom is coming. And then every wise man that was brought up and taught, they were taught about this. And they were taught about this. And they were taught about, why? Because this is true. This is true. This is true. This is true. And now we have these wise men that have been taught through the years, hundreds of years, that a king is coming, a new king, and he has an everlasting kingdom. He's going to be a king of all kings. And they're like going, we have that belief. Now, what are they seeing? They're seeing a light, but the only reason why that light is influencing them is because the word of God that's already in their heart. The word reveals that this light has meaning, has purpose. See, there are times in your life when you're seeing something, but you can't interpret what you're seeing outside of having a revelation of the word. And when you have a revelation of the word, you have the ability to follow a specific thing that God has for you. And he will guide you and direct you through the word, through the word. But wait a minute, where are these wise men at? And this is some nuggets of truth that we can get revelation from. Because see, they're awesome. They're awesome. They are holding on to a belief they've heard that it's been going down through, through hundreds of years, generations. They see this light and inside they're going, this has to do with the king. This is a new king. We have to go worship this new king. Why? Because they understand. They're men of science. They're at the highest level of, of, of humankind at that time. So they're influenced. They're going. They're moving. They go to Jerusalem. Where are they at? They're in front of Herod in Jerusalem. Let me ask something. Where were they following the light, right? Then why are they in Jerusalem? You think the light was in Jerusalem? No. These are important. This is important to, to process, all right? Let's look back at the, the, the story again, the Christmas story, Matthew 2, verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Everybody say he was troubled. What was he troubled by? We're looking for the king. We're looking for the king of the Jews. We're looking for the new king. Watch this. I want to back up why I say what I say. And all of Jerusalem were troubled too. How are you troubled with three guys on three camels? You're not, are you? With hundreds or even thousands in a caravan with soldiers and all the, 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 the pompetry of these wise, awesome men. Now you got a problem. Now you got something where you're like, one, this is, this, is, this is troubling, right? Exactly. Now you're seeing the picture, aren't you? They were troubled. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, 
all the scribes. Who's he gathering? The religious. He's gathering all the ones that represent God on the earth right now. He's in Jerusalem. This is where the Jews are under Rome authority. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has been birthed in Bethlehem. The wise men are in Jerusalem. Talking to Herod, who is not a Jew. Now, follow this because he now calls forth the people that know the word. They're supposed to. They're the religious. They're the ones that represent. They're the temple guys. This is what they do. Now, follow this. He gathers all the priests. He gathers the scribes. And he says, where is the Christ to be born? Where, where, where is this? There? I heard something about there, there's going to be a Messiah. I heard this, but where is he to be born? Watch what they do. Listen, listen to what they say. They said, in Bethlehem, of course. I added the of course. Now, follow this. In Bethlehem, for thus it is written by the prophet. They even got the scripture memorized. Oh, we got to pay attention. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They knew the word. They had it memorized. And they're still standing in Jerusalem. These are the heads of the church. They ain't in Bethlehem. They're in Jerusalem. What is up with that? You see, I've been in ministry a long time. And I've been around a lot, a lot of different types of quote Christians. And I can tell you right now, what I have seen in a large population of church people is, is they know what scripture says. They even have memorized scripture. But it doesn't influence them one bit. It isn't not their priority. They are indifferent to the word. Even though they can quote it. They don't want to hear it. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is born six miles from where they're at, and they can't go. And these guys from the East that have no covenant whatsoever, they have no connection whatsoever to Israel. Travel 800 miles and months of travel to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What's wrong with this story? See, the priest and the scribes, all those, quote, churchgoers, should have been the first ones bowing down in front of Jesus. But see, this is what religion does. Religion says, I don't want to hear your word. I don't want to hear your, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to do it my way. 
you're trying to interfere with my life. Herod, on the other hand, is he's a hater. His attitude is, you're trying to take from my life. I'm talking about people that you come in contact with. There are people that you talk to them about your life, talk to them about what's God doing in your life, and, and, and they're like, they hate on it. They don't wanna hear one word. Why? Because you're interfering with their vision, what they want, what they have. See, they don't know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. They just know religion. And they believe religion, which is right, is gonna take from them. It's gonna rob them. And of course, religion does that. So they define truth through the eyes of religion. And what's happening is we get this picture of Herod, which is wanting to kill Jesus. Kill the baby. Why? Because he's the king and he doesn't want another king taking over his position. The guy's a psycho, by the way. If you know the history of Herod, he's a freak. He's a perverted freak. I mean, crazy guy. Just crazy. Crazy. A killer. But anyway, this is the king. And now King Jesus is on the scene, and his mindset is what? This is what he does. He gets them together, and he says, when did this star appear? He told the wise men, when did this star appear? And they, and, and they tell him what they've seen and everything. And he said, go to Bethlehem and, and, and find the child and come tell me. I want to worship him too. He's the real king. I want to go to him. Now, look at this. He's now trying to determine time frame by what the wise men say. The wise men give up information now. You know what that information is going to do? It's going to kill every child two years and under in Bethlehem and the surrounding towns. Two years and under, every child is going to be killed. How do you determine that? The wise men that are in Jerusalem. See, there are a lot of times when you're doing God's will and you're strong in God and you're following the word and you're following his principles, but then there's a time when you get off in, you know what, but I really know what I'm doing. You start leaning to your own ideology, your own wisdom. You lose sight of the star because, hey, I'm close enough. I got this. I got this. Instead of following the word to the end, we get to the place where we get a little bold in where we're at. And that's where they were. Because why are they in Jerusalem? And I'll prove my point. Well, because God had a plan. No, he didn't. The plan is they stopped following the star. They went from a point of getting to the place where they're in Jew land. Their assumption is, is that he's a king. He's got to be in the king city. What happened to the star that was guiding them? See, that's the problem. We want a Christmas story. We don't want revelation. Why? Because it, 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 it takes away from the reality of what we want to see. 
three kings, pretty story by a manger with a bunch of animals and, and a little drummer boy, and they're all just happy. But what we have is we have a violent attack getting ready to take place when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords came. See, light was shining and now darkness was angry. Religion was angry. Hate is happening big time. And now Jesus, he's already birthed because what we have here is the wise men. Go search carefully for the young child. When you find him, bring back word to me and I will worship him also. Something happened now. They recognize that they're in the wrong place because what? The revelation of Bethlehem is now revealed to them. Before they're lost, where's the king? Where's the king? They're not in the right place. Did the star lead them? No. They were sidetracked, people. Isn't it easy to get sidetracked when you're, when you're following God and you're doing good and the things are happening and pretty soon you're, it's, it's so good that you can get sidetracked. And this is where I see so many people in church having a great life and good and God's doing good and all of a sudden they get sidetracked. And that sidetrack takes them into living what? Their old ways. It always takes you to the old way. They start doing things they never used to do. They start doing things what they used to do. They start leaning toward things, atmospheres that they wouldn't be for. And they open the door to things that start influencing them in the negative. I'll give you a great tidbit of wisdom. Listen to me. I've been doing this too long. I know the patterns of what takes in place in people's lives. I see it over and over and over and over. I see people loving God, following the word, getting just so impact, impacted and hungry and passionate. But all of a sudden, something happens where they get sidetracked in all that goodness. They quit pressing in. They quit being excited for the things they should be excited about because now it's monotonous. It's a, it's a continuation and, and it's like, you know, huh, maybe I can get something else going. Maybe I can start doing something else. And we get in our own understanding. We lean to our own ways. We stop acknowledging him and we, we don't get directed by the light anymore. And we end up in places we don't want to be. I don't even want to define the examples because I'm sure I'd be talking about a lot of you and you're here right now. The point is, is you know I'm talking, what I'm talking about. You know the things you do that are not the right things. And they're not going to help you. It's not going to, to bring your life to a better place or lead you to the king. It's going to be a place of turmoil. And now these wise men are like going, my gosh, we're not even in the right place. And what do they do? They get back to where they were before and they find the star. I thought that's what they were following the whole time. Now they stopped. They started in, well, we know now, Jerusalem. But they didn't look at the star and go, hey, the star's not here. Did they? No. There's my proof. 
They got sidetracked. They interfered with their own wisdom. Verse nine, when they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east was out there before them. And it took them right to where the child was. See, this is how good God is. You can get off. You can do dumb. We've all been there, right? We all took our eyes off the star. We all took our eyes off. We, we've been doing this Jesus thing, and man, things are going good. And we, got, we got off. We got, you know, hey, I'm all that. And then all of a sudden, we start things happening. The tendency is we start getting guilty and condemned. So it takes us further away. That, that's everything scripture says don't do. That's why I was teaching, cast all your care. I want you to get in the habit of giving everything to Jesus. Get in that relationship to when you know you screw up, give it to him. Get, get it out front because he already knows anyway. This is for you, not for him. He's not like going, oh, you caught me by surprise on that one. No, it's a position where you're like going, no, nah, it's about everything. I do dumb, I'm gonna give you dumb. I'm gonna give it to you. And by doing that, it keeps that relationship strong for you. Not for him. He's always strong. He has great love. While you are a sinner, he died for you. So this ain't about his love. His love, Jesus went to the cross. You ever want to know how much God loves you? Just think of the cross. You got a problem with I don't know. He's, he's upset with me. Think of the cross. Think of the cross. Is he upset with you? No. What you need to do is you need to get back on track. See, the enemy's going to come in and go, no, you nasty. You bad, you bad, you bad. You done this last week too. God can't forgive you and he's gonna just blast away, blast away until you start listening to him and end up in Jerusalem. Well, religious people know more than you do now. It's a messed up place. But what you can do is go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Gotta got, got get back to the star. I gotta find that star. Where's that star? That star's over there. Come on, guys, let's go. And they follow that star and it takes them to Bethlehem. Are you guys with me? It came and stood over where the young child was. Watch this. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Do you guys see this? They lost the star. Come on, somebody listen to me. You look back for that star. What happens? Exceeding great joy. Why not? I feel so bad and dirty and so wrong and please forgive me and I feel I'm just not a good person. What, why isn't that happening? Because that's not how God works. Get your eyes back on where you need to be. And that exceeding joy is going to flood your heart. That's what happened to these guys. These guys are not even Jews. And look what they're experiencing. And when they came into the house, not the stable, all right? So there's no three kings at the stable. When they came to the house, they saw a young child, young child, not baby. Just want you guys to get straight on word, all right? You go home and take those things down in your house. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's not true, though, but I'm just kidding. 
but you all know it's not true. You got three kings standing there by a stable. That's not true. You teaching heresy, you're going to go to hell. All right. If you got that, that's fine. Whatever. But you know the truth, right? It sets you free. Y'all good on that? All right. Please don't go home and start messing with your mom's stuff. And right. <laughs> Listen, I don't need people fighting and, get, you know, just warfare going on during Christmas. My pastor said that's a lie. You're living a lie. Don't do that. Y'all good? Do not do that. And like I said, if you have it, fine. You know what's true. Y'all good, right? All right. You can still watch, you know, VeggieTales. It's all good. All right, moving right along. So they got back on track. They saw Jesus. They worshiped him. They gave him gifts. And then they were warned, go a different way. Because Herod's going to kill, try to kill you guys. So they take off a different way. See, this is a beautiful picture. Because what we have is we have guys. Listen, what's the rest of the story of the Christmas story? Okay, you have wise men that are led first. They're led first, people. They're months away from this event. They're traveling hundreds and hundreds of miles before anybody knows anything's going on. So they're going, and they're, they're, they're like going, we're going to go see the king. And, and everything's normal. In, in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, everything's normal. But they're coming with a, a, a passion to see this new king. The next group of people are the shepherds. The shepherds. You, are you guys hearing this? I, I need you to, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, start getting pumped up about who you are, about to recognize how important you are. We ain't talking about God went to the Jews, God went to the rich people, God went to the smartest. No, God went to guys from the east that have had this prophecy for hundreds of years. God wants the shepherds that are unclean. This is the, this is the most legalistic time period of history of this earth. I mean the most legal time period of religion. And God goes to the shepherds that are the most unclean people in the planet. They can't even go to the temple to be clean. So here these guys are being told, go to the king. Gabriel talks to them. I mean, Gabriel's the one who talked to Daniel. I mean, he's like, he's it. He's the one, he's the one that gives the main messages from God. I mean, that's powerful. And he goes to shepherds. He tells them, and what do they do? They're like going, Let's go find him. And the Bible says they searched for him. That word search literally means is they, they like turned up everything to find this kid. They didn't go like going, oh, I guess we can't find him. We're out of here. They went into that city and knocking on doors and opening things. I'm sure they went, to, ah, get out of here. And they're looking and looking. Where's that king? Where's the new baby? And they finally find him. What do they find? A baby. They leave, the Bible says, at rejoicing. They go back to the field, rejoicing. Their lives are never the same again. They're now proclaiming the truth of Jesus. What, what happened? How? See, this was what that light will do. That little baby 
He didn't have a crown on him. He didn't have, he wasn't in this beautiful golden crib. Now the shepherds did go to where he was in the stable, where it did smell like cow poop, where, where it was not this clean place. And they seen this child wrapped in this, not this fancy, fancy, beautiful, you know, thing they got on Nordstrom's for this child. And they wrapped the, the child's laying there. What in the world has impacted their lives? It's like the star. It's the revelation of the word. See, the word is why they looked to the star and were able to be led to Jesus. The shepherds were told, this is where you're gonna find the child. He's gonna be in this, in, in this area. He's gonna be wrapped. He's gonna be in a manger. The word they go around looking, 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 looking. And then they come to a baby. Think about it. These shepherds are coming to a baby. But see, what brought great joy? The child isn't getting up going, I'm Jesus. It's laying in a manger. Think about it. What produced this impact in their lives? They got a word, and the word was revealed. And after seeing that revelation, it impacted their life. Can you get a word, see it, and be impacted? Have you got a word this morning? A new Christmas message that God is wanting you to keep your eyes on his word? Don't try to lean to how you're going to figure it out. Try to lean to your own understanding. Keep your eye on the word. And the word will supernaturally, this is what it does. It'll lead you and guide you. Now, they had this bright light they were following. They needed it. These guys didn't know nothing. But it was the word that was the light that they were following. Are you guys hearing me? The, the shepherds got a word. This is who it is. This is where he'll be. They saw the baby. They didn't see anything special. They already seen kings before. And they haven't seen a king like this before. But this is what the angel said. And this is the revelation. Now they lead that revelation rejoicing. Why? Because the word came alive within their hearts. Let the word this Christmas come alive in your hearts. I'm telling you right now, there are many of you. You got off a little bit. You got, you got on the wrong, the wrong direction, you in Jerusalem, or you're on the outskirts of Jerusalem, or maybe you've been already going through Jerusalem, and you're at a place where you're like going, I need to go look at the star. I need to find that star again, because my pastor just revealed to me in the word of God that when I find that star, I'm going to be getting great joy in my life, and I need some great joy happening. I need some great joy happening. What I need is, is I don't need no condemnation. I don't need no guilt. I already know I messed up. I already know I made bad decisions. I already know that. But what I do know as well is God is bigger than this problem that I've done. God is bigger than the bad choices I made. God is a God that greatly loves me and his heart is for me to turn 
turn from my ways that are messing me up and get back in line and follow the star of his word. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth of the word of God. We are going to experience the most wonderful Christmas because of what your word is doing for in our hearts right now. We're focused in on your goodness. Even though we've known we've got off, we know this one thing. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Christmas time is recognizing the great love that God has for us. Because the truth of the matter is, is Jesus was born to die for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth and the greatest revelation that anybody could ever show concerning great love. You showed us the greatest love that anybody could ever see, ever. And we, Father, we thank you for it. And we receive it. And we will walk in it. Because that is your will for our lives. To be able to share the light that we now have and reveal it to those who are in darkness. Give us the boldness and the wisdom to be able to help people come out of darkness into your marvelous light. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, y'all, love you guys. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.